In the name of the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Last Sunday, our gospel reading put before us the first uh, public event in Jesus' ministry in John's gospel. And that was that great miracle, that first sign of turning water into the best wine you've ever tasted. My kind of miracle. That was the sign that pointed us to the abundant life that we can find in Jesus Christ. And it sets the tone for John's gospel. He he placed that sign there at the beginning for a reason so that it might be a lens through which we see the rest of his story, the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us to share in God's life. Now this morning, we're in Luke's gospel, but we are likewise at the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. This is how Luke, the evangelist, Luke, the person who wrote the gospel according to Luke, His first story of Jesus and his public ministry is Jesus returning to his hometown synagogue. Remember that he was baptized by John and we learned that he received the spirit. Then he goes into the wilderness, he's tempted for 40 days. And in this morning's gospel, returning from the desert, full of the Holy Spirit, full of God's life, he enters into the synagogue, his hometown synagogue on the Sabbath. This was his custom, it's just what he did. Jesus turned up with his people to listen to the scriptures and to pray for the coming of God's kingdom. It's important for us to realize this is the community of faith that raised him. His babysitter would have been sitting out there in the congregation and his soccer coach and the kids who grew up with him. It's a hometown synagogue. And here is Jesus with his people. And everyone there knew that his reputation had been growing. So they're excited to have the hometown kid back with them, this kind of preacher with a growing celebrity. He's come home to be with his people. Jesus uh, asks for the scroll of uh, that great prophet, the Shakespeare of prophets, Isaiah. He wants Isaiah, the attendant brings it to him unrolls it. They didn't have books just yet. This is on a scroll. And Jesus goes to the place that he is going to preach from. He chooses that portion of Isaiah that says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. The Lord has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus chose to read as he launches his ministry. This is his inaugural address. This is what he wants the people to hear. And then he rolls up the scroll, he hands it back to the attendant, and he sits down. You might think that's weird that he just sat down. That's what rabbis in that day would do when it was time for the sermon. So if I just sort of sat down here and preached, you know, that would be customary. So he sits down and we hear that all of the eyes are fixed on him. They can't wait to hear, what is he gonna say? What's the sermon gonna be? So he looks out at his congregation, his hometown synagogue, the people that he dearly loves, and he says what? Beginning of his sermon, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today this scripture has come true. 
just to say today, here in the presence of Jesus, earth and heaven are joined. And when it is on earth as it is in heaven, when, it is the, when, when Jesus proclaims that God's kingdom has come around him, what that looks like is the poor hearing good news, the oppressed being set free, and seeing the salvation of the living God for all people, everyone, everywhere. This is what Jesus is saying to us this morning. I, Jesus, fulfill the scriptures. The kingdom is here today in your hearing. And this good news that Jesus is sent to preach to everyone, everywhere, it's for me and it's for you. This good news, it's for everyone, everywhere. But it is first good news. It must first be good news for the poor and the oppressed. And we might not like hearing that. What about me? It is for us, it is for everyone, and it must begin with the poor and the oppressed. And if that makes us a little uncomfortable, we might be in what we would call good company because in Jesus's hometown synagogue, that congregation gathered, they are eating up what he says in his first sermon. They're loving it. And they're amazed by his gracious words that are coming forth from his mouth until that is that he makes it clear that the promises of God and his gracious words, that they're for everyone, that they're for all people. You see, they wanted to hear good news for the home team, good news for us people in Nazareth, never mind people from Syria or Sidon, don't even mention the Samaritans. Come on, Jesus, we grew up with you. What about us? I think this is where Paul's letter to the Corinthians that we've heard read this morning comes in. Paul says that in Christ, in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And if one member of the body suffers, we all suffer with that member. If one member rejoices, we all rejoice together which is to say the gospel of Jesus Christ is painting a picture of radical solidarity where we are with and for each other, weep together, rejoice together. The good news of Jesus is for you and it's for me, it's for everyone, no exceptions, and it begins with the most excluded, the poor, the oppressed. And it's important for us to remember as the church, as followers of Jesus, that we do not receive the gospel or our salvation. And our salvation is knowing that God is love and that God is for everyone. That's what sets us free. We never receive that as isolated individuals. We hear it as good news inextricably bound up with our neighbor, with our neighbor everywhere because in Christ we're made one body. Now each member is vital. Each member is vital, but we belong to each other. So if one suffers, we all suffer. Can you imagine a world, just imagine a world 
where the suffering of the poor and the oppressed is shared by everyone. It's possible. And the gospel of Jesus Christ sets that new world in motion. Today, in our hearing, And when we listen to him, when we obey him, when we live in this world as those who have been changed by Jesus, our world is turned upside down by those gracious words that come forth from his mouth. Some of the questions, I'll leave with a couple of questions that I think the Spirit is saying to us, the church, this morning. Who needs attention and compassion? Who needs attention and compassion? Is the church in our day good news for everyone? And does that good news begin with the poor? How are we too much like the congregation in Nazareth wanting to hear good news only for the home team? These questions want to move us spiritually, move us, increase our capacity for love. And above all else, these questions want us uh, to grow into becoming the kind of people Jesus wants us to be, to become a people who shine with the radiance of his glory, spreading those gracious words and gracious deeds for the poor and the oppressed, to become a people who don't look for our own advantage over and against others, but recognize that our life is bound up with the salvation of the whole world, even our enemies. You know, when we allow Jesus to unsettle us with his gracious words of love, the kingdom comes. And today, in our hearing, Jesus is ushering in that new world. I'll close with the words of our collect from today, our prayer. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works. Amen.